Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. You know, that's a, a prayer I've prayed for our family for years, and I think you know that. It's the very prayer that tells us about Jesus. He grew in wisdom in stature, in favor with God and with man. That favor, that favor. Well, I'm praying that this morning uh, because, uh, you know, Jacob's not here this morning. I'll wave hello. He's probably looking in online. I'm the proud grandpa of another another one that's one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen number fifteen and six and number sixteen's on the way and and of course his name is Blakely Blakely Ray and then we also want to get, bring a little bit of attention to my brother Tim Roberti who just had a bird, bird a, a baby and I let's see Luca Luca Jacob. Did you name him after Jacob? The middle? No, okay, I won't go that far. Luca Jacob. We're excited about having babies in the nursery again. Amen. Praise God for that. So Jacob calls me Friday and said, hey, Dad, can you fill in for me? Because he was supposed to preach, and you know, I do. I just go golfing all week and play pickleball. You know that all week long when I'm just teasing, just teasing. So uh, I, I wondered, God, what, what would you have me say to the people? Because we're about to enter into a new series uh, about one another, really loving one another. So I thought, well, since we're going to talk about love, I'll talk about hell. And I talked to my wife. She said, honey, can't you speak about something else? Give us something good uh, during the, you know, when we leave Sunday, we'll feel a little bit better. So I skipped that. No, I really was. I had it all lined up. Because that's why Jesus died on the cross to deliver us from judgment and hell. And so I don't think it's spoken about enough. Truly, I don't. But then as a pastor, I thought about what we've been through in the last half a year and last year and what many of you are going through right now, and that's storms. I mean, I know most of you. And as a shepherd, God calls upon me to to, to minister to you. And uh, this morning, I want to do that. I want you to remember a couple of things. Actually, I want you to picture and envision you're in the boat with Jesus in a storm because you know him. And remember, at one time, he sent the apostles out in the storm knowing they would be in a storm. And, and it's so easy to not want to be in the storm and want the storm to be moved out of your life very quickly. But that's not God's plan. So I want to read to you, beginning first in 1 Corinthians, about a man who was in a lot of storms, and his name was the Apostle Paul. And then wind up with the reminder from James that all of us will be in storms. In 2 Corinthians 6, from the NIV, Paul put it this way, we put no stumbling block in the, anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, 
As servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, in hardships, in distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing yet possessing everything. There's a man that was in the trenches. He never asked God to remove those trials and troubles and tribulations. We believers need to quit whining to God about the troubles and trials that he has allowed to come into our lives. In fact, in James, he told us this, James 1, 2, consider it pure joy. And, and, and we're going to have to find that. If we're going to minister to our kids and our children, and if we're going to minister to those around us, we're going to have to learn one thing. God did not create us to be happy. But he does want us to be full of joy. He said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Because he knew what was after the cross. The kingdom of God and we would be a part of it. It tells us, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. When you face trials of many kinds. So I'm going to pause there. I want you to think about what you're going through. It could be sickness could be your health, could be financial. Many, many are struggling in their marital relationships. There will always be storms in your marriage, raising your kids, your job or lack of job, trying to find a place to rent, a home. I don't know what you're going through, but it is a trial that God is alive. If you're a child of God, Nothing gets past God. He permits it to be in your life. Even, even if you meant bad, he will turn it for the good. So you got to swallow the fact, God is allowing me to go through the storm. I must find my joy in the midst of this storm. And he continues. Why does he want you to find joy? And why does he let you go through that storm? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work before you get out of that storm. Now, I'm adding that part to it. So that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. May God add the blessings to the reading of his word this morning. Father, speak to your servant. Let me say the things you want me to say. Help me forget about the things you don't want me to say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This is a story. It was about a very young tree. The young tree faced many storms 
through its young life. The powerful winds, torrential rains, famine, ice, and snow would lie across its branches. At times, the young tree questioned its maker, asking, Why have you let so many storms come into my life? His maker whispered, You will understand one day. Stand firm. You will make it through the storms of life. The challenges will pass. Keep this in mind. The tree questioned his master. If I go through one more winter, the snow will surely break my branches. If I face any more powerful wind, I will surely be uprooted and moved away. The maker whispered, stand strong. Dig your roots deep into the soil and you will understand someday. Somehow, the young tree kept the positive thoughts in his mind and managed to survive it, make it through even the toughest of storms. Somehow, even in the toughest of times when things it went through should have broken it down, it found a way to stand firm even through the worst of storms. As the young tree grew taller, stronger, and mature, the tree realized the storms of life had made it stronger. How many of you have faced or are faced with adversity in your life? Have you been faced with hard economic times, sickness, death, or other trials in life? How well were you able to cope with the challenges you were facing at that time? How well were you able to weather the storm in life that you were in? Did anyone even share motivational stories with you that inspired you to weather on through your personal storm, even though times were rough and wearisome? Most people going through challenges in life won't realize that there is something to be learned from the experience. If this big problem can be prevented from ever happening again, then be aware of its causes. Perhaps better solutions can also be considered just in case a new challenge presents itself in the future. After every storm, pick up the pieces, mend the broken parts, and move on. The storms in our Lives shouldn't make you frightened or weak. Instead, look at storms in your life as something that can make you stronger or a better person. Life is not about waiting for storms to pass. It's about learning how to dance in the rain. Let me share that one more time. Life is not about waiting for the storms to pass, but it's about learning how to dance in the rain. A bend in the road is not the end of the road unless you fail to make the turn. I'll end with this little quote, bend thou the rainbow in the storms of life. 
and be thou the rainbow in the storms of life. The evening being that smiles the clouds away and tints tomorrow with prophetic ray. So when I thought about these storms that are going on in your lives, I said, God, please use me to be pleasing to you and to be a blessing to the body of Christ. My complaint and my goal. Well, as a father, when I begin to talk to my children, I, I try to get a little bit more quiet when I try to pass on something significant to them. Well, certainly you're not my children. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. My complaint. Is it okay to share my complaint? Or are you sure? For saints to read their Bible week in and week out, to sit in a Sunday school class or a Bible study every single week, to sit in services week after week after week. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes, preacher. Preach it. I love it. Amen. Amen's all around. Every week. Only to face a trial. And they abandon everything they've been taught. And they amen and praise God with. They abandon it. And they don't apply it. Oh, I know I got a little passionate, but I am passionate about that. Why would you abandon the very tools that will save your life, preserve you, and make it through the storm? I, I don't mean to be too loud. The goal. My goal today is not for God to take away my storm or your storm, but that you would excel in the storm. I know you have them. I know you have the victories. And I've had the victories in the midst of the storms. But that you would see God in the storm and help someone else when you get out of that storm because you've been in the storms. And then also to prepare for the storm. It reminds me again what someone said about people. You must always expect a storm <laughs> and be ready and not panic. Prepare for a variety of storms. But back to the motorcycle example. You thought I forgot. I don't have Alzheimer's yet. <laughs> you know what they say about motorcycle riders, right? There's only two kinds of motorcycle riders. And I, I know I, I rode motorcycles. And the year I got saved, I, got, uh, I was 13 tickets and I ended up in jail for 17 days. I loved motorcycle riding. Popping wheelies down the road, the interstate. I see all these guys do that today and go, I'm lucky to be alive. But two kind of motorcycle riders. One that's been in an accident and then one what? That's going to get in an accident. Storms are going to come to every single individual. So 
You either are in a storm or you're going to be in a storm. Don't try to pretend you're never going to be in a storm. There are all kinds, past and present. Haven't we been through many storms in the last couple of years? So thinking about the variety of storms, I think about the past storms we've been through. I think it's over 560 or more 100,000 people died of COVID, some of your loved ones. And I don't say that flippantly. And you couldn't be there for your loved one. I couldn't even be there yet, a couple days ago to see my grandbaby being born because they only allowed two people. Some people lost loved ones and they didn't get to see anybody. What a tragedy. 90 million businesses folded because of the storm of the last two years. Thousands of bankruptcies. Inflation, they say, is at 8%, but talking to friends and buddies, and many people believe it's anywhere between 13 and 17%. They don't tell you the real numbers because they don't want you to freak out that you're in a storm. Rent's going through the roof. People can't even find a place to live. In fact, some people are moving from here to other places because they cannot stay here. Rising mortgages. Homeowners insurance and property taxes. I know ours went up 400 a month this, this year. And it seems to leave little purchasing power for the, left for the struggling families. We're going through some storms. Part of the variety of storms is just living life. Living life will rock your boat. I think of a lot of different people, the Apostle Paul we just read about. But I also think about Jacob in the scripture. Jacob, one of the patriarchs, you remember? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob had the 12 tribes named after him. In fact, Jacob was so important, God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. Only to have one of his children taken away from him, and he was lied to that he was dead, and for 20 years he believed that lie, and he grieved. Talk about a storm. And then there's famine. And then here's what he told Pharaoh when he stood before him. Pharaoh asked him some questions. He said, how old are you? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, the years of my pilgrimage are 130. My years have been few and difficult, and they do not equal the years of the pilgrimage of my fathers. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence. The point, <laughs> just being born, living on this planet, you're going to have trouble. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. What about dreams being fulfilled? I, I, I listen to a lot of people, young people, myself included and you. How about our dreams? The road is paved with a lot of rockiness and storms. I think about the dreamer in the Bible named, you guessed it, Joseph. Joseph had a dream one day he was going to be in charge and that his brothers would come bow down to him and his dad would actually bow down to him. And he received the dream from God, he said. Of course, everyone around him was jealous, which led to a, a lot of problems. He was sold into slavery, 
falsely accused of adultery, put in prison, forgotten in prison. And finally, one day, after interpreting a dream for Pharaoh, he was set free. He went from the pit to the palace. He was the second most powerful person in the known world at that time. The point, though, he never changed while waiting for the dream to come true. You see, remember the two goals? One of the goals is everything that you have been taught from a little child in the family of God, everything that you've learned in this church, everything that you've learned in a Bible study, in a home study, now is the time to put it into practice. Joseph did that every single place that he went to. And he lived for God in those storms that he was in. And here's what happened in the end. His dream did come true. His daddy died. His brothers freaked out, said, we're dead ducks. And here's what happened in Genesis 50, verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrong things we did? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you're to say to Joseph. <laughs> they made this up, of course. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now, please forgive the sins of your servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. Ah, dream accomplished. We are your slaves, they said. But here's the part that you really need to understand, you that are going through storms. Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. For you that don't know, there was famine in the land. Joseph predicted it. He interpreted Joseph's dream. He not only saved Egypt, but then Israel came up and they were fed and they were taken care of. And God spared the nation of Israel through, the, through Joseph. So he said, then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. You see, the storms never left Joseph. He understood if you're a child of God, your steps are directed by God even when you mean foolishness. I'm not saying he directed you in that foolishness, but he allowed that. Remember when King David went to wipe out a community of people because they wouldn't give him some food? Remember, remember Nabal? The rich man, he was on his way to butcher everyone because Nabal refused to give him some food. But God intervened and spared David from doing that atrocity so that blood wouldn't be held at his hands when he became king. You see, when you are a child of God, he is directing your steps even in that storm. You must think through the storm that you're going through in your life, the dream you have that isn't quite come true, that God is at work. And if you don't 
think that way and remember that you will not live for him in that storm and raising your kids or all those around you will miss out on all the valuable lessons that God wants to communicate to them when they go through their storm if you're always asking God to remove the storm in your life. I remember I had dreams like you had dreams of building a church and having two or three campuses. And I remember grieving on the ground and my first 10 years of ministry were miserable. Asked to resign from my first church, quit the next church in six months, folded another church, walked away from another church. That's the first 10 years of my life. But never, ever was I going to let that reflect on who Jesus Christ is because I would have missed out on continuing to raise my kids, my wife and I raising our kids according to the word of God. So I am not on many campuses, but God fulfilled that dream in another way. My oldest is married to a pastor on another campus. My next oldest is on another campus as a minister. My next oldest is on a campus here. My next oldest is on another campus right down the road on Broward County. My next, uh, 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 next one is possibly gonna be on a campus in another place in then I got a, a little builder that might build church campuses that's right here with us today, maybe someday. He likes to build homes. You see, you see what I'm trying to tell you in the midst of my dream of what I wanted to do. God was already accomplishing what he wanted to do and I needed to surrender to his will and you need to surrender that dream to God. He will accomplish his will through your life. That's why we sing, I surrender all. But if I would have complained during that whole time, if I would have turned my back on God during that time, I would have missed out on all that he prepared me to do in the future and even through this storm that we've been in the last couple of years. I'm thinking about marriages now. Not anybody in particular, and I talk to so many of you, and there's always a danger when a pastor brings up things because, man, he betrayed my confidence. Pastor, were you in my bedroom or my bathroom? Or how, do you, how did you know all this? There's a tendency to think that way. But I've been through storms in my marriage. How many are willing to admit they've been through storms in their marriage? Would you raise your hand? The rest of you are liars. And during those storms, it is only because the tenacity of my wife and I to cling to Jesus to help us make it through those storms. And here we are now, 40 years later. And we know the glory goes to God, and you know that too. But here, here's, here's my complaint. Can I share my complaint? Once again, in your marriage and marriages, you sit in classes, you hear the truth being spoken, you amen it over and over again. You sit in a small Bible study, you go on a marriage conference. God gives you the tools to ride through that storm. 
But all of a sudden you get in the storm and you absolutely refuse. You close your eyes. You're blinded to all the tools that will help you navigate that storm. Why in God's name do you do that? You hurt yourself. You hurt your marriage. You hurt your children. You hurt the church of God. And you make Shame on his name when you don't apply the tools he's given you to navigate those troublesome times in your marriage that will come upon every single marriage in the house and looking in online. Why? Why do you forget about it? You won't forgive. You won't forgive your spouse for something they did. How in the world are you going to have a relationship with God? How can you sit in the church? How can you give your resources to the church? Because God said, if you will not forgive your spouse, he will not forgive you. You want to see revival come? You want to see health come to that individual who refuses to give, who's bitter, who's full of anxiety, who's full of depression, discouragement, that will be gone if you embrace the truths of God and forgive your spouse. Apply it in the storm. That's what God wants you to do. He's been equipping you. He's been preparing you since the day you got married. I, I share with couples, and I had the privilege of doing that yesterday with, with a couple that's going to be getting married. I don't know if they're in here, but... And I share this with other couples. There's a video series, an old video series called Sacred Marriage. And he, and he reminds people, hey... Are you sure you want to get married? Yeah, yeah, we do. Well, I have some news for you. If you decide to get married and you marry, you're going to find out what a sinner you are. <laughs> How selfish you are. Are you sure you want to get married? He said, what if God designed marriage to make you holy rather than happy. Did you hear me? What if God designed marriage to make you holy rather than happy? You see, when God said to Adam and Eve, multiply and replenish the earth, why was he doing that? He said, I desire a godly offspring from your children because I'm building a nation of priests and your job as a parent is to raise a godly offspring, not just to have sex. Oh, that's just maybe a cherry on top of the cake. But his ultimate purpose and plan is to produce a godly offspring from that relationship because he's building a nation of priests. But you get in that marriage and you throw out the window all these tools that you've been praising God for and amening and, and reminding everyone else to apply these truths in their storm. And you, you counseled some of those people only to forget to apply it to your own marriage. If we didn't apply these tools in our marriage, we wouldn't have lasted the first year. We... We barely survived the dating period. My wife broke up with me 15 times. No exaggeration. But you know that song, just one look. That's all it took. 
just one. That, that must have happened because my wife stayed with me the rest of my life. But by applying those tools, you see, when I look for a wife, I look for someone that loved Jesus Christ more than anything. I dated all those girls that thought they were that and all that. I didn't want a girl like that. I wanted to find someone that loved Jesus or vice versa. You wanted to find a guy that loved Jesus Christ. Because I'm telling you, outside of Jesus Christ, you are selfish, self-centered, there's no getting away from it. Until the new you comes in you, you are selfish and a sinner that will die and spend eternity in hell and you're in a marriage that God didn't ordain. Hmm. That's the truth. If you don't want to hear the truth, there's plenty of churches down the road that you can attend. My point in bringing this up is that it grieves me as a pastor that we do not apply these tools when it comes time. Come on, men and women, start forgiving your spouse as you want God to forgive you. Do you know that it will bring healing? You know, I'm teaching a course with, along with um, Stephen Lostro, Forgiving Forward. And the speaker talks so much about the people that have been healed of their diseases because they forgave. They forgave. And they've been healed. Maybe that's what it talks about in James when it says, pray for one another and confess your sins to one another. So that what? What? You, you may be healed. Amen. We're not talking about a miraculous healing, me laying hands on you or the church laying hands on you. We're just talking about you getting right with God. And you'll be healed. Hmm. Maybe you need to look at the storms that you're going through and ask God to forgive you. Every marriage will go through some rocky times. What about your finances? Some people may be struggling right now and financially. And, 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 and it's a rocky time for you. And you're, you're wondering, how am I going to make ends meet? Well, there's a lot of us older people here that have been through those times and those storms that would tell you, you will survive. Not only that, you have people around you and family around you and a church family around you. Those are some of the tools God's given you, and he knows your needs. But sometimes he lets you go through those trials to sharpen you. I went through such a trial in my life that I didn't spend money properly, had a home up north, tried to support a home down here, I lost everything. It affected my family. I lost my job, and I had to go live with my brother. A full family of six people living with another brother. That's a blast. <laughs> Last year, probably 30 years later, the family's playing a game around the kitchen. And it was asked of my sister-in-law, who, who has influenced you most in your life? She said, when Ron and Cheryl lived in my house, it changed our lives. You see the point? I'm not trying to brag on ourselves. Do you see what I'm trying to tell you? That it was in the midst of that financial storm 
that God glorified his name. And if it would have been removed, possibly that family might not have been influenced for the glory of God. And all we're thinking about is, can we make ends meet? Can I find my next job? But we also knew something that was greater. And that is, that's the platform to live for God everywhere you go, everything you do, every day of your life. That's our goal here at Victory Life Church. Living God's way. You will be surprised what God will do in your relationship and what he does to people around you. People are watching you. We need to be an example to our children so they know how to navigate those storms. You're going through a financial storm. He's going to see you through. We got out of that storm. I told you I couldn't even tithe. I found the job. They fired me again, another firing. You probably think I'm a bad, bad, bad to the bone. I got fired again. Great start in the ministry. You would think I would have given up on God, given up on the church and all God's people. But Jesus isn't like that. And the real church is not like that. And after that storm, I learned to try to live debt-free. And since I've been pastor of this church since 1998, started in 97, this church has never been in debt. Praise and glory to God. So you see, through that trial, through the, do you see the things that happened? I, I, I'm sharing it because I thought, Lord, who can I use? And pardon me for using myself, but I, I mean to use it. My mistakes, I made mistakes. But how God uses us in those storms, even in our mistakes, he will make all things work for the good. And so I've been able to pastor churches. You're in a five, six, seven million dollar building that all these pastors around here would love to get a hold of. Because they're meeting in hallways of schools and buildings. And God gave us this facility to use for his honor and glory. And we house homeschoolers and we house other churches and we share it with other people in need. Please, you're in a financial storm right now? Don't give up. God has lessons for you to learn. He's molding you and making you in this storm, in this financial storm of your life. Now I'm on the other side. I can't wait to give away what I have. You think that's a lie? That's not. God has called my wife and I to be generous givers. I love to give. I never thought I'd say that, but I love to give. He's given me plenty. He'll have enough to take care of my family, give to the house of God, and then possibly give to others in need. Spiritually, God will rock your world. You will go through spiritual storms. Here's what Peter said, 1 Peter 4. Dear friends, don't be surprised at this storm or the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you as though something strange was happening to you. See, why do we consider it strange that a storm has come into our lives? Why do you consider it strange that you're arguing with your spouse? It's going to happen. Why do you think it's strange that you're going to struggle raising your kids? It's going to happen. Why do you think it's strange that you're going through a financial crisis? For most people in life, even those who've done well, usually learn when they're in the crisis, when they're in the storm. Don't think it's strange. That's what I'm trying to communicate to you. Don't ask God to remove it. Don't ask God to say, don't give me any of those storms, please. He said, don't think it's strange that it's happening to you. It's going to happen. You're living life on the planet Earth. You're not living on Mars. 
and you're not in heaven yet. But he said, he said, he said, rejoice. It's hard. This is something that's not taught in the seeker-friendly churches. Rejoice in so much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Uh, we don't tell people about that when they get saved. Listen, honestly and sincerely, Christ did not make, he, he, please understand what I'm saying. He made it easy, but he didn't make it easy to come to him. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? Remember one group of people, he said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's how you get into heaven. But he knew their hearts. He knew no matter what he said to them, that they weren't going to listen. So he wanted to make sure he removed them so the people really needed to listen would listen. And then he went on and explained to them what he was saying. Don't make it easy. Oh, just bow, say a prayer. and uh, Jesus, come into my heart and save me. Really, that's not even in the Bible. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved from hell and judgment. Believe in him. And when you believe in him, it will alter your life and there'll be a new you in you that you're going, wow, I didn't know that person existed. You'll actually fall in love with yourself and it's okay. Because the Bible says you must love yourself before you can love others. He continues, he said, but rejoice in so much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. My first 10 years in the ministry were a disaster. I felt like I was in the world. Listen, I'm telling you all my junk. Many of you have junk stories too, but I got fired from 40 jobs before I got saved. 40 jobs! Some of you only had two jobs in your life. If someone looked at me the wrong way, I went into a rage until Jesus took away the rage and saved me and put a smile on my face and joy in my heart and peace in my mind and an open hand rather than a clenched fist. That's the change he'll make in your life. You will suffer for being a believer. Don't ask God, please, why am I in this spot, God? And you're just whining again. Shake it off, wake up and say, well, don't quite say this, bring it on. <laughs> Lord, help me see you in this storm. Isn't it amazing? Jesus was on that boat asleep while the apostles who were strong, rugged, fishermen, real, macho men, band of brother type of men. And yet they were scared out of their wits because of the storm and they thought they were going to die. And Jesus wakes up. Oh, my goodness. What's the problem? <laughs> Jesus is on the boat. Jesus is in the house. Jesus is in the house. This is the temple of God. He said he abides in here. Now, you can be tempted with the fear. You can be tempted with the anxiety, but you got to start walking around. God did not give me the spirit of fear. He gave me the spirit of power and love and a sound mind. You keep saying it and saying it until the devil leaves you alone. You have that ability and power to speak his truth in the word of God. It happened in the wilderness. It will happen with you in the midst of your storm. I've had to repeat that. Hundreds of times walking around in that room, walking around out front. And you need to declare that man in your marriage, woman in your marriage, businessman in your business, and church in our church. Finally, be prepared to help others in the storm as we end here. Be, see, you're going through the storm. Now, we've been through so many storms. And I only wanted to share some of these storms with you so that... You won't panic 
when you're in the storm. You know, some people get in a storm and they panic and they buy into the mantra of fear. That's what's happened the last couple of years. The world has tried to paralyze the church in the fear. And you got to shake it up. I was attacked with it. I admit it. I was attacked with it. I was, oh, no. Man, if I open the church doors and, and, and during this time and, and, and they come in and they fine you $1,000, which they were doing in some businesses after they couldn't get the businessmen to close their businesses, they would go and find the people for being in there and not wearing a mask. And I thought, well, if I open this building, then, oh, man, they start finding you. You're going to get mad at me. But we learned during the storms and I certainly hope you and me have learned in the last two years, do not fear. I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer. Do not fear. Now, we need each other to encourage each other with everything we've learned during that time. And I surrounded myself with people that helped me in that. I quoted all the scripture. And guess what? Fear left the premises. And he will leave in your life too. You t when I say take command, I'm not saying take command of something God didn't give you the authority. His word said, I did not give you the spirit of fear, but of love and peace and a sound mind. And you quote that and you quote that until you literally got, get knocked over with that truth until it overtakes your mind, your soul, and your body. And then you'll be prepared to help other people during those storms. You're going through a marital difficulty or you haven't forgiven you're in trouble and without Jesus Christ there is no hope I, I hate to tell you this there's no hope there's no cracker jack box you're going to open up and have a little surprise in there and that's going to heal your marriage and the grass is not greener somewhere else you believe that lie then you're believing in the devil and he controls your life the grass is not greener somewhere else Please, please take advantage of the tools God has given you as an individual believer. The Holy Spirit lives in you as well as the church, the Bible studies, believers. Take advantage of it. But I like when one famous preacher said when he, a couple came in and they were coming in for counseling. And the woman came in and she says, I, I need some counseling. I said, do you want to save your marriage? She said, yes. He said, go on out for a minute. Come on in. Come on in. The guy came in and he said, do you want to save your marriage? He said, no, I don't. He said, there's the door. Get out. Because he knew there was nothing he could say or do to save that marriage. I want to tell you something. I'll, I'll say it slowly so I'll calm down. Take a breath. God hates. Can you say that one more time? Wait, God hates divorce. So if you're looking for that door, you are out of the will of God. I may be stepping on some people's toes because they believe God gave them a pass. Now, there's, there is exceptions. We know that. Infidelity. Or I'm sure if abuse to such an extent that your life is in danger, I'm sure you'd get out of that relationship. But you know what I'm saying as a rule. We know there's an exception to the rule. Don't look to that door. Look what God is doing in your marriage and put into practice everything you've ever learned 
And you'll have the joy of the Lord. Let me tell you something. All that I told you I've been through, there's no way if I'd have taken the way out of the storm early or been miserable in the storm, that God would have produced what he did produce through our family if I didn't put into practice things. Now, I failed on some things. This is not a holy-than-thou-art person standing before you. There were some failures. We didn't do everything perfect. But more often than not, what's true in the Christian's life is they, are, they go from victory to victory. That is true for every believer in Jesus Christ. From victory to victory. And I got proof, 40 years of it. You can do the same thing. Please, acknowledge God in the storm. Don't ask God to get you out of the storm. Ask him, what does he want you to learn during the storm? So when you get out of the storm, you can turn around and help someone else that's in the storm. Would you stand at this time with me, please? I want to end with this little, little something I found. A new pupil who has already been kicked out of three schools brought, was brought to the school. One teacher came to the class and looked at the new pupil and thought, where only such people come from. The second teacher came and saw a new pupil and said with anger, there's no lack of you here. The third teacher came to class and said, do we have a new pupil? He rejoiced. He went to the new pupil, shook his hand, looked into his eyes, smiled and said, good morning. I was waiting for you. That's the kind of attitude that God wants every believer in Jesus Christ to have because there's a teacher waiting to help you in that storm. He's on that boat with you. Father, I tried. I hurt for those families, Father. Please break down those walls. The stubbornness, the selfishness, the self-centeredness, the covetousness. Would you, the Holy Spirit, break it down so they can see the radiance on the other person's face, the joy in that person's heart. And if they don't know you, Father, you said the Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of their sin and convince the world that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And if that person is listening whether online or in this place this morning, Father, please, for their sake, they don't know it, we're praying for their sake, break them up, bust them up, so they'll know they won't have to face judgment and have eternal life by believing in Jesus, the Son of the living God. We'll be standing up here this morning for a few minutes as we sing. You need prayer. You want to give your life to Christ. You need to get baptized. We'd love to hear from you. You respond as God leads you at this time. Would you come? Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.